Welcome to Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Guys, you have found our top 10 episode playlist for 2022. These are the cream of the crop, the best of the best from 2017 to today. In fact, these are the episodes that I personally would share with someone who's just learning about this strategy. Maybe you know somebody who'd like to hear this episode too. All right, here we go. Enjoy the episode. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, episode 110, Mythbusters. Wait a minute, did I just pay for this twice? Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everyone, to our latest episode. I'm your co-host, Holly Bach, and here with me in the studio today is Mark Willis. Hey, Holly. Hey, everybody. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us uh, for our latest episode here today. And then also, I think, Mark, before we jumped into things, you wanted to share um, a quick little blurb with our listeners. Just real quick. uh, We'd love to hear your feedback on how the show is going, what you like, what you don't like. And especially if you have five full stars to leave us somewhere in your pocket <laughs> laying around, those stars are so handy when the, when you need them. Just drop by our website, notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com, and go down the sidebar there that says, uh, it says, leave a review. Click on that link and leave us a review. And if you do that, we'd be very grateful. And in one step further, we are not above bribing folks. So as a way to get in front of more people to share this message that we have, this not-so-average message uh, for financial sanity, uh, if you take a picture or a screenshot of your five-star review uh, and send it to hello at nyafinancialpodcast.com, we will send you a copy of the Bank on Yourself Revolution book uh, at no cost if you're in the United States. So uh, and if you're outside the United States, maybe we can squeeze a Kindle through the internet or something too. So, <laughs> all right. Well, very good. Thanks so much, Holly. Let's jump right on in. What do we got today? Yeah. So for our episode here today, our, our content, um, we wanted to talk about something that I wouldn't necessarily necessarily call it a, a common reaction, but it is a, a reaction that um, sometimes people will have as they're first starting out with their policy and they're um, maybe even starting to take like their first policy loan or loans um, from their plan. And they'll just kind of have this, this, there's a panic moment that um, we found that every now and then we'll kind of trip someone up. Um, And myself included, absolutely. I've had the same sentiment myself. So um, for any of you that have kind of had that feeling of, oh, oh, no, like I just made a terrible mistake. Um, You kind of know what we're talking about here. You know, it's where your stomach drops, your palms begin to sweat a little bit. You know, you start looking for the exit, you feel sick and panicked. You know, if if any of you have felt like this before, you you know, it's it's not fun at all. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of a moment where that can happen um, when you have a policy and you go to take out uh, a loan. So um, on, on the other hand, though, sometimes you, you know, we have these feelings of panic over nothing too, right? So we um, end up kind of 
you know, we have these panic moments and everything works out, you know, Mm -hmm. things that don't end up working out in our worst case scenario predictions. Uh, For example, you might have felt nervous and panicked the morning of your wedding day. But, you know, now, years later, with a loving spouse and possibly even some kids, you know that it was worth every minute. Right. So we all have those moments where you're like, oh, wait, what? This is like a really big, momentous decision. Did I just make the wrong one? Um, Kind of those those kinds of feelings. And sometimes they're warranted. Sometimes they're not. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So we want to kind of cover a common misperception of how the bank on yourself type policy loans work that can maybe sometimes cause that feeling of panic Um, because we don't want you to ever have to unnecessarily feel that pit in your stomach. So true. Wow. So if folks listening are sort of testing the waters and if you want to know if you ever, you know, kind of wanted to just sort of see how it felt maybe to own a bank on yourself policy, what are some of the gotchas, some of the, you know, the trip ups or the misunderstandings or whatnot? There's a lot of even first moment realizations that you have, especially in your first year of owning one of these policies. And some of the new things that come to light for many of our clients that are both pleasant and sometimes pretty shocking. If you'd want to hear all of these uh, in fleshed out in detail, go back all the way to episode 34, Shock and Awe uh, is the name of the episode. So, you know, by the way, we do have hundreds of clients all over the country. And, you know, with each of us, Holly, um, personally owning multiple policies, I feel like, you know, we've got a pretty good handle on what it's like and how it feels, you know, to own a policy. So if you, our listener, want to hear more about this or have a discussion on how exactly a policy works, how it feels to own one, we'd love to work with you. You know, we can make exploring this strategy as simple, as straightforward as possible to see if it's a good fit for you. If you'd like to discuss this strategy with us, just head over to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com, click on the Request a Meeting button, and we'd be happy to have a 15-minute consultation with you. We don't charge a fee for that. Uh, And it's a a chance for us to discuss our process, answer your questions, burning questions, and talk more about what it's like to own a policy and take one of these loans. So that's a bit about our, you know, intention behind this episode. Mm -hmm. And among the list of first things you might experience or feel owning one of these policies is a feeling you get when you first take a policy loan, as, as we mentioned. So let's describe the scenario some clients have when they take that first loan out. And then let's kind of bust some of these myths around policy loans and show you how they really work. So let's say that you've been saving into your bank on yourself policy for um, for a while now to buy a car. You've been listening to our podcast, and just like we talk about on our show, you request a policy loan, and in about five days or so, the money's deposited into your bank account, and you go buy that car. You get to write a nice check. When, isn't that a nice feeling for mm-hmm. once? You don't have to fill out all the financing paperwork. Well, now you have a policy loan, and you have your car, and the policy's still growing as if you'd never touched the money. Okay, so all things that we've talked about and have described and you feel great at first. Right. So you're like, perfect. This is awesome. But then that sinking feeling comes in and you realize you have to pay that car loan back now. Right. I mean, if you're a Mm -hmm. responsible banker, you're going to set up some sort of repayment plan to that loan you took. But wait a minute. Didn't we already save for that car sitting in our driveway? Didn't we already save for it once? So am I going to have to buy this car twice? I saved for it once. Now I'm paying for it again. Like, what is going on? Is this the most expensive car I've ever bought in my yeah. entire life? Um, and so, Mark, you know, did 
did I just make a terrible mistake in taking out this policy loan? It sure feels that way. Uh, it sure feels that way, for sure. It feels like we're paying for it twice, but no, no. Very clearly, you did not pay for the car twice. You only paid for the car once. In fact, I would say that using your policy to pay cash for purchases like a car is better than paying for the cash, uh, fa- excuse me, paying for the car alone. You know, it's better than paying cash for things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's true. It feels like you paid for it twice. You know, you accumulated, let's say, maybe $30,000 in your policy's cash value. And now you've got your $30,000 and you're just waiting to drop in uh, to the dealer and buy that little red Corvette. Okay, let's let's be honest here. Let's be real. It's probably more like that slightly used tan Hyundai, right? <laughs> okay, but anyway, you've been you've been eyeing this car at the dealer down the street, and you take your policy loan from your policy. You walk in and proudly write that check, as you mentioned. Now, I'm a believer that it's better to get checks than write them, but whatever, that's fine. I get that. <laughs> uh, so you also uh, you also spoke with maybe Holly or I before making this transaction, and we encouraged you to start repaying the policy loan on a monthly basis. That would be on top of your premiums, okay, that you're still putting into your policy, let's say. So for example, you know, one example of a way you might fund your policy, let's say you were paying 1500 bucks a month as premium, and you want to pay your loan off over a reasonable period of time. And you add maybe a $500 policy loan repayment, and that would be a total of $2,000 a month, leaving your bank account and going into the policy. So, you know, Holly, honestly, to be honest, so far, it sure feels like we're buying this car all over again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and you know, wasn't the whole point of of doing it this way and paying for it myself was so that I didn't have a payment, yeah, a car payment, right? right? You mm-hmm. know, because you finance and it's like, oh, well, if I'm financing, I'm going to have X number of dollars a month I owe. It's like, wait, no, I, I still have that. <laughs> yeah, am I back in the banker's pocket? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So think of it this way. It's like you're both the banker and the borrower at the same time. Yes, yes, I know that sounds a little schizophrenic, but work with us here for a minute. You know, so imagine a bank. Now, there are two doors to this bank, okay? Two doors to most every bank, really. There's the back door and there's the front door. The back door is the door that the owners walk in, and they're constantly, continually bringing in money uh, to their bank putting money into the vault, capitalizing their vault with a stream of capital, cash, money. Why do bankers add capital to their vault? Well, is it so they can like go swimming through gold coins, like straight up Scrooge McDuck, possibly? No, of course not. That's not the point of adding capital to a bank. They're adding capital to the bank so that they can lend it out to borrowers, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why there's a back door to the bank. What about the front door? The other door of the bank is the front door of the bank. And who comes in the front door? Well, customers. And who are customers? Well, borrowers. Borrowers bring in money through the front door. The money is not adding to the capital uh, in the vault the same way. Uh, you know, the borrower is simply repaying money they pulled out of the vault as a loan. Mm-hmm. Why do bankers love it when borrowers repay loans? Well, it's so, you know, repaid loans allow that money to get lent out again and get charged some more interest, right? So it's another form of profits for the bank. Yeah. And what banker do you know that doesn't want to have her borrowers repay their loans? I mean, that banker won't be in business very long (laughs) if they don't, right? And how many banks do you know that aren't looking for capital? I mean, the bigger their vault, 
you guessed it, the more they can lend out. And therefore, mm-hmm. the more interest they charge, the more interest they earn, the more money they make. So now, of course, this is just a metaphor. You're not setting up an actual bank like the ones you see littering our streets today. But it just so happens that a properly structured dividend-paying whole life insurance policy that was designed as uh, Pamela Yellen describes in her New York Times bestselling book, Bank on Yourself Revolution, it holds all the characteristics needed to act like a bank. Right. So here's the key. As a banker, you want to continually capitalize your policy's cash value as the banker. And you want your borrowers, which also just so happens to be you too, mm-hmm. <laughs> to repay the policy loan. So as the borrower, what do you want? You just want a car, right? You want to have a car because your old one broke down, whatever the case may be, and you want to repay your loans over a reasonable period of time. And you get to do that. So the bank on yourself concept allows you to do all of that and even more. You control the entire process um, because you get to set your, you know, uh, repayment terms. You get to decide how much you're repaying your loan at and how fast you pay it back. It's all up to you. And really, I think something to keep in mind is um, when it comes to taking out these policy loans is that, you know, depending on what your goals are and how many big expenses you see coming up in your future, really technically your end goal date for when you want you know, all your loans to be paid back is really just kind of retirement. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, if you are thinking, okay, I'm going to need to buy another car in X number of years, then you would want to have it paid back so you could buy that other car. But if you're like, oh, nope, this one's going to last me or whatever the case may be, um, then you really don't need to have all these loans paid back until retirement. So that's about, I would say, as long of a repayment period as you could give yourself is, okay, well, I want to retire at this age, you know, kind of divide your payment by that long. And so it it doesn't have to be super, super aggressive um, unless you want it to be. And that's the control you have as being both the banker and the borrower. So another way you might think about this is that your premiums that are are building up your cash value in the policy are your long-term savings for the next 10 cars you buy over your lifetime, and ultimately your retirement cash that you want to have ready to spend in your golden years. So So, good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as as far as the word reasonable period of time goes, you know, keep uh, keep holding on with us, dear listeners. Uh, Wait for episodes 114 and 115, where we get into, I feel like, you know, the rules of thumb for your policies uh, with uh, Jim Conrad. You guys will really love those episodes coming up. Uh, But, you know, the big picture for today's episode, the big idea here is to use your guaranteed retirement savings in your cash value as collateral for all the things that you're going to need before retirement starts. Let me say that again. You know, the big picture idea here is to use your guaranteed retirement savings in your cash value of your policy as collateral for all the things that you might need before retirement starts. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's huge. That sentence is a game changer. If you can get that and implement it, that concept will change literally your entire financial life and how you make major purchases. Mm-hmm. Okay. So said in another way is when you're buying that car, rather than you buying this car twice, you're just kind of borrowing from your retirement funds to have a car today. Yeah. There you go. That's you know, a good way to say so that. it's it's like what you've been doing all along when you've been saving into your policy. You haven't been saving for a car necessarily. You've been saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're thinking, okay, so I've been paying these premiums. I think our example was fifteen hundred bucks a month. So you're saving fifteen hundred dollars a month. That was not for a car. Mm-hmm. That was for your retirement. 
However, what you're doing is in the meantime, because you're not retired yet and let's, you know, presumably not close to retiring if you just started your policy, then you are just purchasing a car with those funds while you wait to get there. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, while you wait to get to retirement. And when you repay that $500 a month, it's actually buying the car on the other side of purchasing the car, mm-hmm. which is a mind-bending sentence. But let that sink in for you for a minute. Uh, so we all know the idea of how a home equity line of credit works on our home. You know, uh, imagine yourself a homeowner. You're dutifully each month constantly paying your mortgage, which is sort of like adding capital to the bank of our last metaphor. And you're building up equity in your vault, which is your home. You know, as you pay your mortgage month over month over month. Now, at some point in that 30-year mortgage, let's say, let's pretend that you decide you want to go back to school and get a graduate degree. You've noticed you've built up all this equity in your home, um, and you hope to sell it maybe 20 years from now, the home. You hope to sell your home 20 years from now to get some extra retirement cash. But you need that degree now, right? So you get what? What do you get? Well, you can walk into the bank and get a HELOC, right, a home equity line of credit to finally get that graduate degree you're wanting. Okay, so you're now making HELOC repayments even while you continue your normal monthly mortgage payments. So you have dual goals. You pay down your mortgage and you also got that college degree. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Holly, did I just pay for that college degree twice? (laughs) Yep. No, no, I'm buying my house with my monthly mortgage payment that I'll end up using for retirement and I'm only paying for the college degree as I repay the HELOC. Does that make sense? Yep. So the problem with using a HELOC, of course, is that there's no guarantee what the home is going to be worth when you hope to sell it. Uh, And you hope it's going to be worth something as you use your line of credit. And if home prices collapse while the HELOC is still outstanding, the bank could lower or even call your line of credit, making you pay all that money back right Mm -hmm. away, right? A bank on yourself type policy is guaranteed to grow and its cash value is going to be larger each and every year. You have rights as a uh, policy holder to the loan provision, which is also guaranteed in your contract. So the ability to use your cash in the policy is yours. That loan provision is yours, guaranteed for life. Yeah, and so um, another example other people might be familiar with is 401k loans. They kind of work in a similar way, too. You're borrowing against your future retirement dollars to do other things like get that college degree, for example. Your money is serving two purposes, um, kind of the the near and the future goals. So in contrast to using our homes or 401k retirement accounts, we like to use the cash value of life insurance for retirement supplemental income. It has guarantees, tax advantages, like we've mentioned in other episodes. So every single dollar that I'm paying into my premium, I will see again, along with a lot of their green-backed friends, i.e., you know, more money because it's growing for me yeah. in my retirement years. So we're going to see all these dollars again plus some. In the meantime, though, it just so happens that that cash is also available for me to use as collateral for all the stuff I'll need before retirement, like we've been kind of saying. So I'm not paying for that car twice. First, I saved for a few years for my retirement. Then I bought the car after I made the purchase. So in other words, I only paid for the car once as I repaid my policy loan. The money I had saved up before buying the car was for retirement and was then used as collateral for the car. And my monthly policy loan repayment was when I actually bought the car in the first place. Mm-hmm. place. Um, so I only pay for you know your each car you buy or whatever it is you're buying through your policy loans. You're only paying for it once. And like this 
better than paying cash for cars. Um, it is it is far better. Mm-hmm. So, um, Mark, can you walk us through an example though of what this looks like with with real numbers? Because you know we're kind of just saying how it works, yeah. hoping and you know I guess people trusting that that's mm-hmm. the case. But yeah. um, we always like to include some numbers to kind of back up what we're saying. So you can walk, can you walk us through sure. an example of that? Yeah, sure. So for the engineers listening and for anyone else who just cares to get a little deeper, please uh, pull the car over. Seriously, pull the car over and then look at your show notes. Uh, We will include a spreadsheet and some numbers to everything we're talking about here to give you some background on this. But let's say, for example, that you're 35 years old and you want to start saving um, $1,500 a month into your policy, or that would be $18,000 a year. Okay, so we're building up cash value. We've designed it the bank on yourself way. And by year three, we've already got $40,000 in cash value. Okay, so in year four, let's say we take a loan. Uh, for 40000 bucks in year four to buy a car. Okay, so we're going to pay back that car at $10,000 a year into our policy until that loan is paid off. Okay, and at the same time, you're also paying $15,000 per year at the same time as you continue to capitalize the bank, you know, adding more money to the vault, so to speak. So this premium is your future savings for everything, cars, investment opportunities, and ultimately your own income in retirement. You know, you didn't just want to, like, have one old jalopy car out of your entire lifetime, right? You had lots of goals and dreams for this money. Why just spend it once, okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, walking through this this illustration, uh, we'll look first at the numbers without loans, and then we'll look at the identical same illustration with loans, and you'll notice that because it's a non-direct recognition life insurance policy, boy, that's a mouthful, the policy's cash value grows whether you borrow against it or not exactly the same. So I'm literally looking at the numbers right here, guys. And as we go down the page, this gentleman ages each year, you know, 18 grand a year is going into this policy. He's walking in dutifully as an owner of his own bank to add more capital to the vault. And as mentioned, by year three, he's got about $40,000 in cash value. By year 10, it's $189,000. By year 20, it's already up to half a million bucks. And all the way clear down at age 70, when he decides he's ready to stop putting money into this thing, he's got $1.2 million in cash value. Now, keep that number in mind, $1.2 million at age 70. Okay, that's without touching the money, just letting it sock away into his vault. Okay, so no bank... um, no bank loans were sent out. He just simply capitalized his policy. All right. And remember, this is not a literal bank, but we're just walking through that metaphor. Okay. So now let's look at it with loans. So in year four, uh, in our hypothetical scenario, this gentleman starts taking policy loans. So a, a customer four years later walks in the front door of his bank and starts asking for $35,000 loans to go buy cars. And every five years, uh, this customer comes back in for another car purchase. Now, remember, that customer is him. It's literally him walking in, (laughs) asking for access to that capital that the owner of the bank has built up. And again, he's paying back his loans. Um, Looks like he's doing $9,000 a year, actually, as I look at the numbers here. So as he pays back those loans at $9,000 a year, uh, he recycles that money in and out, in and out, in and out of his policy. And over the 35 years, again, at age 70, Holly, can you see what is the, the final number, the bottom line number there at age 70. Remember, uh, with taking loans, how much cash value does he have? Yes, it is 1200000 Wait a minute. Where have we heard that number before? 
Well, that was the case when he didn't take any loans at all. Okay. So, you know, in this case, you can either just sock away for your future or you can buy your cars and have a nest egg ready to go for retirement. And either way, your retirement dollars are the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to retire on the same amount whether you use it or not. And in this scenario, each car is fully paid off before buying the next one. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of another thing. If you're looking at the spreadsheet, you'll see that. But if you are just driving down the road, you won't see that. So each of these $35,000 cars, the loan balance is taken down to zero before they take out that next one. And then it's just cyclical. Yeah. Each time. Yeah. So, you know, you've you've got a, a You've got to check this out. Again, take a a look at our show notes to see this in action. And I guess I'll just make a quick side comment that you are able to take loans out while you're still repaying the first loan, right? It's all considered one loan to the insurance company. Absolutely. Cool. So guys, if you want to see another example of how non-direct loans might help you, um, you know, it's nice to buy our cars this way, and that's a cool feature, uh, but and, and certainly a benefit to the policyholder. But come on, imagine how powerful this is when you factor in the uninterrupted compound growth of taking money out of the policy in your retirement years. And Holly, you were kind enough to put together a fairly tremendous spreadsheet that shows this in action, the, just the difference of borrowing money out of the policy as income in retirement and letting it still continue to grow on money that we spent on groceries, you know, 20 years ago when retirement started. Mm-hmm. So check out episode 83 to see those show notes for even more spreadsheet fun, let's say. <laughs> okay. So when you take out a loan, the money doesn't actually come from the policy. This is key. This is really key. It comes from the insurance company's general fund. And that general fund is pooled cash values of all the company's policies out there that they have in force. All loan repayments you make are deposited back into the company's the insurance company's general fund. Here's why it's super important that your life insurance policy loan doesn't come from your cash value, but rather comes from the company's general fund. When you borrow from the policy, the policy continues to grow unaffected by any policy loan. We just proved that with the numbers in our spreadsheets there. If you have a non-direct recognition loan feature, and that's something that only bank on yourself advisors typically recommend or even honestly know about. Know so, about, yeah. yeah. So this feature means that when the insurance company determines how much, you know, the dividend is going to be uh, that's going to come to your policy, they don't recognize or they maybe you could say they ignore the fact that you have an outstanding loan. And, you know, literally only a handful of these companies offer this valuable feature. Yeah. And the company does charge you interest on your loan. That's a point that we never want to hide or disguise or misrepresent. The company is going to charge you interest on that loan, but it is simple interest, not compound interest like you'd pay to a finance company or a credit card company or, you know, if you've just financed that car through the dealership. And with the right kind of participating whole life insurance policy, your cash value actually keeps growing at the same rate even though you've taken out a loan, just as you just described, Mark. Mm-hmm. So you pay back the loan on your terms. You make a payment, skip a payment. It's up to you, you know, based on your circumstances and what's going on. I mean, unless you're like the world's harshest banker, I don't think you're going to be repoing your own car. I yeah. mean, who owns I would love it at to that see point? That. I would love to see that. <laughs> Calling up my buddy who's got the tow truck company, you know, and, hey, sorry, man, but I didn't make my own payment. Yeah. You know, just I'm going to need you to car. take my car and then bring it back to me later because <laughs> I guess I still own it. <laughs> going to yeah. wreck my own credit score. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, of course, you don't want to just be reckless. Um, any year you don't pay at least the loan interest on, on the loan you took out, the company will add that interest to your loan balance in the following year. 
thus increasing your loan amount. So we'll want to definitely keep an eye on things, uh, but you know it, it's still up to you and it's still flexible. So, But what happens if you do let the loan balance approach or equal your policy's cash value? Well, that could cause the policy to lapse and you'd have some serious tax consequences to deal with. So don't do that. Again, we don't <laughs> yeah. want to you know, hide or disguise any any of these factors because there are very real factors that need to be mm-hmm. kept in mind, but those are the things that will help you keep track of and, you know, we'll make sure doesn't happen for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of like, you know, hey, if I see a tree over there and I'm driving down the highway, just don't hit the tree. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, all right, it's not going to happen by accident most of the time. And again, skip ahead to episodes 114 and 115 for more fun on ways you can make sure that you manage this thing, uh, this policy in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. So when you borrow against your policy, you'll continue to get that guaranteed annual cash value increase in the same dividend as if you hadn't taken that loan. Okay. On the other hand, when you withdraw money from the savings account down the street at the local bank and you're going to maybe, say, pay cash for the car or whatever, you've got to replenish your savings over time. And crucially, you've lost opportunity to earn interest on money until you put it back into your savings account. That's you know what we call the opportunity cost problem. All right, so it's it's not going to be that way with a bank on yourself type policy loan. Again, that cash value continues to grow. We say this many different ways, but honestly, it takes almost a hundred times, let's say, to get through uh, this mind-bending concept of your money working two places at once. Mm-hmm. So because of that, there is no opportunity cost with policy loans. Your assets are continuing to grow at the same rate, whether you take a loan or not. You are both the, the uh, banker and the borrower in this metaphor here. Mm-hmm. So when your loan is paid off, whether it's two months from now or 20 years from now, you'll end up with the exact same cash value as if you hadn't taken that loan out. Yeah. And saving money in a bank on yourself policy first and then using it to make major purchases allows your money to compound continuously, even when you spend or invest it even elsewhere. So it solves the problem of having to continuously interrupt the growth of your money when you spend it or invest it. I have a quick story. There's a gentleman, a, a gentleman I've been speaking with. He's got a um, uh, he's been a very successful business and in, uh, just generally a, a great businessman and investor. And he was describing uh, this opportunity he had to purchase a farm with $900,000 cash. $900,000 cash. Well, first of all, I congratulated him for being in a spot where he could do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a big, awesome accomplishment by any measure. But then we really started talking. You know, I said, hey, you know, would you at least want to consider taking 15, 30 minutes to look at the the problem of paying cash for that farm uh, and and what the future value of those dollars might grow to if it was put into a policy first. And, you know, we're, we're talking about it, looking into it, and the power of this concept would be tremendous in the seven digits, you know, for someone who really understands the power of uninterrupted compound growth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been talking about cars in this episode, but multiply this out over your business investments, your real estate investments, you know, the, the sky's the limit. I think maybe that's why some call this the infinite banking concept, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so what are some takeaways from this episode, guys? You know, you might take a moment to think about all of your personal upcoming major expenses. We all have them. If you're living on planet Earth, you've got big capital expenses coming, whether it's a car, a house, a kid's college, a debt you're trying to pay down, whatever it might be. Okay, so on those big expenses, ask yourself these two questions. One, Number one, am I saving enough to have money ready to make the purchase at the right time? You know, have I done the math? 
on what I need to have at that point in time. Mm-hmm. If not, you know, it would be fr- pretty fun to build a little chart or a spreadsheet to track your progress. Maybe like a, a free printout, you know, you can have those thermometer charts that help you reach your money goals. You know, you can, I'm sure, find them on Google or Pinterest or something. Mm-hmm. So that would be the first step. The second step would be how will you make that purchase? You know, pay cash maybe? Uh, or worse, will you have to go into debt to buy that thing? Or let's consider using a policy. So that's the second step. And if you're really not sure um, which one you should do, uh, again, um, listen to episodes 114 or 115. Or if they're not out yet and you're just desperate to get an answer today, check out episode 54, Rules of Thumb for Taking Out a Policy Loan. And then also check out episode 71, the Debtor, Saver, and Wealth Creator Staircase episode. Any final thoughts on this uh, pretty phenomenal concept, Holly? Yeah, I think I just I just hope that it's valuable for our listeners in um, a way that it was you know valuable for me. I know I had these thoughts where I was mm-hmm. like, wait, oh no, I'm like buying things twice now. Like everything just became twice, <laughs> yeah. twice as expensive as they were going to be if I you know just saved up the money as cash and paid for it and was just done with it. Um, but you know you you have to kind of take a moment to 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 set you know kind of pause take a moment and think about it from another perspective, a kind of a fresh perspective. And so I hope that's what we've provided, you know, for you all here today is just a new perspective on on how these loans work. And hopefully we can save you some of those like panicked, (laughs) late at night laying in bed, you know, stressing about uh, your decision or um, taking your policy loan or something like that. So if we've saved that even for one person, it was worth it. Um, And so just do want to say thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average financial podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click request a meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.